Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This podcast is available on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, Google, Acast, Anchor, and many other popular platforms. Hello, good evening, good afternoon, good morning, wherever you may be, and welcome to the MMA Shower, sponsored by Hatton James Legal. That's hattonjameslegal.co.uk for all your employment law needs. And you can download and hear this podcast on Spotify and SRB Media, SRB Media. Uh, to contact the show, you can email the show at the MMA Show 7, the MMA Show 7 at gmail.com. And you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook. In this month's podcast, we're going to preview Makachev versus Volkanovsky for UFC 284, which is for the lightweight title. So that's uh, champion versus champion. And uh, the lightweight title is on is on the line. Obviously, uh, Volkanovski is the featherweight champion. And we'll also go through some of the uh, the news around the MMA world. So at the turn of the year, January, mid-January, end of January, there seems to be a lot of uh, activity in the uh, in the MMA, particularly in the UFC world. And uh, we'll cover a good portion of that in this month's podcast. And uh, I think a week ago, two weeks ago, the, uh, there was a big announcement about the next three or four main UFC pay-per-view cards. So there's plenty to talk about, not just the actual uh, UFC 284 uh, main card. Okay, before we get into it, I'd like to introduce my uh, fellow co-presenter, co Matt Penny from Purely MMA. Matt, how are you? Afternoon, afternoon. Pleasure as always. Um, yeah, what what card? We've got a, a good number of cards to kick off this year. I think uh, UFC are going for a big year, aren't they? Because it's their thirtieth anniversary. So, uh, yeah, exciting looking cards. And obviously, it's a bit weird having the you know the co-mainers for the interim featherweight title while the featherweight champ is fighting for another belt on the same card. It's a bit weird. Um, but yeah, should be looks good. Looks very good. Yeah, that's a good point about the co-main. It, it is an interim featherweight uh, title matchup, so whoever wins that is the interim champion. And you would assume uh, when Alex win or lose, he'll he'll be still be featherweight champion, and then that will be a match later in the year, probably. So that's an interesting yeah. uh, interesting scenario, shall we say? I, I don't think it needs an interim belt. To be honest, I know this, this is sort of jumping in a little bit already, um, but like I just don't think you need. I, I wish UFC had like a set guideline for how interim belts work because sometimes when you know champions can go two years without defending a belt and there's no interim title, but then when a fighter gets injured for like six months, for example, Dana would chuck an interim belt somewhere. It's just yeah, I wish they had set guidelines for when it's appropriate or not because you know. Yeah, Volkanovski's been very good and he's been very active and defended it often enough and he's not injured he's still fighting but he's just just whacking on an interim belt it just seems a bit weird to me anyway okay we'll uh, we'll go to the uh, to the main card of uh, UFC 284 Um, and we're going to cover the two main fights the the co-main and the main uh, because we want to leave quite a lot of time for the um the other news and there's there's a lot of news as we said um, so let's start with uh, Yair, Yair Rodriguez versus Josh Emmett so um, I think they've they've been around a while in the featherweight division I mean uh, Rodriguez made a lot of noise when he first came because of his style he is unusual and very stylistically uh, quite pleasing you know he tries different things Reminds me a bit like bit of John Jones in his early days, um, and Josh Emmett is just raw power and, and very um, sort of steadfast and just you know has very good knockout wins on his uh, on his uh, card as well on his uh, resume. So um, 
Yeah, let's start with the co-main. Just give us your thoughts on Rodriguez first, please. Yeah, they've, they've both had hype at different times in the UFC for different reasons. You know, Emmett is very explosive, very powerful, you know, great striking, can have the, the big knockouts, and I'm pretty sure he's had been knocked out himself spectacularly. It's just neither guy have they've never much over you know the past couple of years they just haven't it's, I think it's been like once a year for, since 2019 roughly so the question has to be asked if they deserve to be there obviously I mentioned about does it deserve an interim title that's another question um, you, you know what you're going to get with Emmett I think I think it's, it's it's a bit of an insult to say fairly one dimensional because you know everybody in the UFC has their strengths of course but he is fairly um yeah, yeah, has a has a better stance, you know, the taekwondo stance, the interesting, intriguing forms of attack. But again, hasn't really fought a lot. Just sort of once a year, popping in and in and out. It, it, it's a, it's a weird one, really. You know, he had the lucky win against uh, Brian Ortega uh, Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. It, it's handed as a win, but you can't really say he won it because Ortega got injured. Um, you know, and. This is a fight between two guys who I just don't think the title needs to be there. This could just be a really good co-main featherweight fight. I just don't know why these two guys who probably doesn't deserve a title fight, they've suddenly got a title fight. It's just really Hmm. quite odd, in in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And, yeah, you're right. Rodriguez was what... um, Maybe three or four years ago was like the next uh, featherweight... King and, and, you know, being compared to fairly, you know, high-level uh, MMA fighters in that division. And, and then he had a... I think Frank, Frankie Edgar beat him quite convincingly. And that yeah. set him back a bit, I think. And uh, sort of checked his uh, his uh, hype train, shall we say. Yeah, and he, but he's, he's been solid since then. Obviously, he had the, uh, the eye poke against Jeremy Stevens, then won... He got absolutely destroyed against Max Holloway. Mm. If, you, if you remember that fight, completely yeah. like pieced him apart, um, uh, unbelievably. Um, and then, then they had the Ortega fight, which was handed as a win. But I just, I just can't consider it a win because it was just down to injury. Um, and so that that means technically his last like significant win that he actually caused was back in 2019. Mm. And since then, he's just sort of not been around, and you haven't really heard from him. But I think it's just one of those names that kind of it kind of triggers with a lot of fans because they do remember like sort of three or four years ago and oh actually he was really hyped up to be the next sort of future of the division it just it hasn't really happened for him um, and, and Josh Emmett like I said it's just solid in the division strong powerful a great striker of course um, and that causes excitement with whatever whatever fight he's in because it could end at any point yeah, and and you mentioned um, that uh, you know he has got a bit of star quality, and fans remember certain wins, his style. But I think the the one that will stand out is when he fought uh, Chan Sung Jung, and he knocked him out with one second to go with an elbow, and uh, that was crazy. Korean Zombie, yeah, yeah, of course, two thousand yeah. and eighteen, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's like certain fighters stand out in your mind which have those massive highlights mm. and they just sort of live off it yeah. throughout their career, you know. Um, but since then, you're right, it's it's checkered. It's it's not really, it's, I think, one, two, three, was it four fights since that fight with the Jeremy Stevens eye poke, no contest, then the re- return he won. Um and then he, he lost badly to Max Holloway and then Ortega, yeah, technically you can call it a win, but he wouldn't have got anything out of that fight, really. So uh, it's hard to say. He, has, he hasn't really got any form in the last three years, four years. Yeah, yeah, he, he doesn't. I think I, I think Emmett should go into this probably as as the favourite because he, he has actually, like I said, he's, he's still similar. He's only fought sort of once a year for the past sort of three years. But every time he does come in, he gets that win. And he's sort of now piecing together those wins. Um, he has to go in his favourite, in, in my opinion, anyway. And, and somebody with that that mm. power in his striking, it, it can end at any moment. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be an interesting matchup. Um, I agree with you. Interim title just seems to be uh, quite arbitrary. You know, it's it, well. Um, UFC are, are a promotion, so they can effectively and do do what they want. So uh, I don't think you're going to get a rule book on why they do this and that. Mainly, it's all about money and uh, you know building fighters up or an, or an event. So uh, that's the, going to be the criteria, the, the main criteria. But uh, should be an yeah, interesting I, matchup. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it just allows them, really. Essentially, I, I don't think these guys need the interim title. I don't think the spike kind of warrants it. But it does. the one thing it does allow is the UFC to say, OK, this is a dual title fight card. Mm. Um, and it helps them with the marketing, you know. Oh, you get two title fights here, Australia, you know. Yeah. Uh, we're giving you the big fights. I don't feel like this fight has a big fight feel, oh, in all honesty. Um, when we talked off air about what card we were going to do a couple of weeks ago... I had a look at the card and I was like, that main card is is ugh, trying to be not disrespectful to any of the fighters on there. Mm. It's just a really weak there's not they've gone really low on the on the star names for this card. Yeah. And I've got to be honest, I kind of forgot it was happening, this card, until we spoke about mm. doing this show. I, I kind of forgot it was even booked. <laughs> and I, I and I you know, being on on, on purely MMA on Twitter and mm. reading Reddit on the UFC uh, Reddit's People were saying, you know, it's so weird how they've heard virtually nothing about this card. It's just yeah. so odd. Like people are just forgetting it's even here. But you'd hope that UFC kind of ramp up the marketing, yeah, soon as it's coming up now. But yeah, we haven't heard a lot about it. It's, it's just odd. Yeah, there's not a not a lot of depth to the card. I mean, obviously the, the main event has has a lot of um, uh, sort of hype and interest co-main event yeah you can see that whether it needs a interim probably not but uh, but after that it just falls away pretty quickly where some cards you can go to the third and which was it the one in December or November that had four really good fights I can't remember I think the one in November was uh, you know four fights you could just say yeah want to watch that want to watch that want to watch that not going to miss that here you'll probably wait till the co-main treat it like a boxing card and turn up on your seat and then watch the title fight yeah it's it's, it's a, a pattern we're, we're sort of diversing into the bigger picture here slightly um, but I, I find it the UFC have a habit of doing this with cards where it's not in America mm-hmm. like every London card for the past whatever years it has one big main event and then sort of the rest of them even the main card are kind of all right, but like nothing to write home about, nothing to really mm. hype up the whole event. Yeah, Australia. This is an Australia, so it's, yeah. it's a non-American card. It's got a massive main event, and then all the fights are along it are kind of afterthoughts. So I, I don't know if it's just a UFC habit where they think, well, we'll save all the a majority of the good mm. undercard fights for America, and then we'll just you know, I, I don't know why it just seems to be a, a habit and a, that's popping up in UFC booking, but that's a bigger. A bigger story. Okay, it's uh, prediction time then. Matt, put your money where your mouth uh, let's is. Go, let's go Josh Emmett win by knockout. And I, I, I say that because don't really know what to expect from Rodriguez. Haven't seen a lot from him in recent years. You know, because of the Ortega fight, it wasn't really a fight. It was a doctor stoppage. Um, at least Emmett has got some some wins strung together we know what to expect from him so it's kind of a safe prediction really because we know kind of what he's going to go for so Emmett win knockout yeah I'm going to go Yar Rodriguez um, because uh, the unpredictable element towards that so yeah you're right we can't really sort of take much from his last four fights in the last really four years so what's that average one a year but uh, the Brian Ortega wasn't really a, a fight, so to speak. So, uh, yeah, more of a risky uh, prediction. But uh, because he is unpredictable and he can turn it on on the day, uh, maybe that will, uh, you know, maybe that will be enough. But I can see Emmett doing it as well because it's more solid, probably dependable, orthodox, shall we say? Yeah, honestly, I can't argue with your prediction. On, on paper, I would say that Yair probably has 
probably a more diverse set of skills. I just went for a safe prediction yeah. because I know what Emmett's going to come and try and do. Yeah. Um, yeah. At least he's just got some, you know, the, the fights that he has had recently, at least be, you know, he is stringing some together, some wins and probably deserves it a little bit more. Yeah. Okay, we'll, we'll go to the, the main event, uh, Makachev versus uh, Volkanovski. And um, I was looking, I'm looking, on their rec- looking at their record on uh, Sharedog and it's, it's almost exactly the same. 23 wins, one loss. No, sorry, yeah, 23 wins, one loss. That's Makachev. And uh, Alex is 25 wins, one loss. So two fights... Uh, Alex has got more, two more fights, but virtually the same record. Virtually the same, yeah. I would argue that um, Volkanovski probably has. Actually, I would say that Volkanovski de- definitely has a lot more experience in terms of uh, big fights mm. um, against top card opposition. I, I would, I'd probably say that um, Makachev, you know, all fighters beat the lower card guys on the way up but they all do it right but I feel like Makachev has only just started to scrape the surface of like the the, the top tier guys mm-hmm. beating Oliveira Volkanovski's been doing it for years yeah yeah right so three years at least it's a very yeah yeah it's a very similar record and you could say well let's offset that by saying Makachev you know fighting in Russia and Dagestan for years but then other people will say, you know, oh, the, the fighters out there, you know, they're all, they've all got losing records. It doesn't really matter. It, so it's, um, yeah, I, I'd say in the UFC specifically, and that's where I'm going to take the experience from, mm. Volkanovski's been doing it for longer against better opposition for longer. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the, the whole reason he's here against as Makachev is because he's beaten the best multiple times at featherweight kind of cleaned out the division yeah. once, twice, three times. Yeah. <laughs> and now he needs to step up in, in opposition in a different weight class to yeah. to give the you know, to give him something different and to give the fans something different. Yeah, he certainly lapped the other fighters at least coming up to two occasions, maybe a third time. But um I was thinking about this earlier as we were preparing for the for the show and I was thinking yeah, super fight. Yeah, it is champion versus champion. Obviously, no no uh, dispute there. But you touched on it. Makachev has, hasn't defended his belt. He just won it four months ago. Volkanovski, obviously, he's defended it five times or six times. So he's legit. So is this really a super fight or? Not really. I, I, I got I got got to be honest. Um, maybe that's why we haven't heard about this as much as we thought we would um, because maybe the fans just aren't talking about it as much as the UFC would, would think they would mm. um, it, it's a big fight for Australia for sure and I think that was a big uh, a big thing that Volkanovski wanted to do he wanted to have a fight at home um, but yeah it's just like I said Makachev it's he's only just started to scratch the surface right yeah. lightweight only just started and even Oliveira he had his critics about being, is he really elite because of his amount of losses in his history and stuff. Mm. And now, Macha, you've beaten him, you won the title, and you, you're jumping into somebody, it, it might be seen as like an easier option than proving yourself at lightweight, taking a guy who's smaller, at a smaller weight class. But honestly, Volkanovski's fought at lightweight before, he's fought at welterweight before, and he's well known to be, even though he's smaller in height than a lot of guys, his weight and his strength is kind of compared to weights above him. Mm. So I think there could be a possibility of it, of it being taken easy on, on Makachev's side. But I think he would be a fool to do that. And now he obviously hasn't got Khabib in his corner anymore because Khabib retired. Yeah. Like full time. Yeah. Um, and there is that discussion does Khabib have that kind of even when he was retired does he still have that pull does he still have that effect on people that he works with and you know I think this fight we're going to see it is Makachev the next Khabib 2.0 where, where mm. you know where a lot of people said he, he could be but I was wondering why you know Makachev wouldn't defend the title first maybe at least once or twice and then 
do a super fight with another champion. I wonder why they didn't make him defend his, his title at least once. I, th- I think it's probably been made to have this fight, probably. Um, you know, you know the, the, the sort of Dagestani um, attitude is just to fight anybody, anytime, anywhere. Mm. So when, when the UFC came to him and said, well, here's what the offer is, it's going to be a huge fight, probably a lot of money on the, on the table. Yeah. You know, I think he's going to turn it down. But you're right, I think I'd have liked to have seen him have a few more wins at lightweight. It's a, it's a big fight, of course, but it's not that, at that level. You know, it's not of a super fight. It's not of a, a con- <laughs> or dare, dare I say it, it's not even got sort of the pull of a Conor yeah. uh, Alvarez pull, no. to be honest. And, and even before that, when you had this period in the UFC, I think uh, <clears throat> 2010, 12, 14, 15, you had John Jones defending his title twice a year. So I think he was on eight, nine, ten defences. You had George St. Pierre. 12 defences you had Anderson Silva 13 I think in the end but they were all multi-multiple champions multi-time champions and uh, there was always talk of Anderson going up to light heavy John wouldn't obviously come down to middleweight but there was talk of that super fight now that would be a super fight you know 7 defences versus versus 12 or whatever it was then there was talk of um, George St. Pierre and uh, fighting going up to middleweight to fight Anderson Silva from welterweight and then that would have been a, a mega super fight because they were all multi-time champions but a guy's just won his lightweight belt and they're a legit uh, featherweight champion I think four or five defences in doesn't have the same ring for me but it's, it's going to be a, a great fight anyway yeah it's, back then they used to do super fights if you they used to do super fights in the weight divisions um, you know I, I think I think now everybody's sort of obsessed with getting multiple belts and, and, and moving on. I think Volkanovski for a, a long time did it the right way. I think he did, you know, I, I fully respect guys who like to clear out a division first before going on to other things. Um, it's just weird that you, you say about GSP and stuff and his comeback fight was at middleweight against uh, Bisping, you know. I just, yeah. Everybody said Bisping was a bit lucky to be champ and sort of held onto the belt very loosely. Um mm. But they, they, I think that did huge numbers, didn't it? Um, it was, yeah. And uh, UFC bookings all over the place. You know, I think it's just whatever, whatever feeling Dana, you know, whatever kind of passion he has that month, he just books it. It's not a super fight, though. I agree with you. I, I don't consider this to be a super fight. Um, yeah. It should be very interesting. Two extremely strong guys, though. Um, both got also kind of similar skill sets as well mm. slightly different style but very similar skill sets yeah so who do you think's going to win and, and how in terms of tactics and then obviously finish how do you think they're going to win I was really dreading this question because <laughs> oh, I, I just it's like I, I've put so many reasons forward for why this is a very close fight for Volkanovski right Mm-hmm. The big fight experience. He's been in this position before. He's had this pressure before. He's fought elite level guys before. For, for Makachev, it's very easy, it's very early and sort of it's still very new to him, right? Both very similar skill sets, but I've just learned from the past not to bet against the Dagestani in the fight. I just, <laughs> I just, it's just ingrained in my mind to not bet against them. Yeah. So I would go with a Makachev win. Um, why and I, I can, uh, how yeah. the question why I don't really know this is kind of like a gut feeling this one it, it's so 50-50 mm-hmm. um, like I said Volkanovski's fought at lightweight before so it's not even new to him you know what I mean Like yeah. he has always been that kind of weight range so it's not new to him but I just think Makachev is on his way up um just a gut feeling, really. Okay. And I will go. Yeah, it's just a it's just gut feeling. No, that's honestly. fine. That's good enough. Yeah. Um, and I would go with a decision. I can't see there being a finish. Mm. I, I think I think they're both going to offset each other very well. Yeah, they're going to cancel each other out in some aspects. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think I think I think that's what happens. I think that's that happens sometimes with with fights which are so close. Mm. You know, the conversation always goes, "Well, who is the slightly better one? Who's going to come out on top?" Well, sometimes they just don't. Sometimes they just counteract each other very well. Mm. Volkanovski's a lot smaller, so Maxiev I don't think is going to be able to get him down very easily if all. So it's going to be on the on the feet. Volkanovski less of a range so is he going to actually be able to get close enough to Makachev to connect if you get close to Makachev he is going to be kind of stronger and taller so he's going to sort of dominate the grappling I, yeah I yeah. I think this this fight screams an offset and it's just going to be a, a sort of a close decision for one of them so I'll go close decision um, okay yeah no I know, I know exactly what you mean it, I, I'm, I'm similar it's it's a classic sort of, you know, either way you could see either guy just, you know, getting the win, getting the W. But uh, I, I'm thinking Makachev, but there's, there's two, or at least one thing where I think, ah, maybe not. So submission, yeah, I think Makachev. But then I look back to the Ortega fight and Ortega had him at least two triangles and that's his signature's move that's uh, Ortega's signature move he just finishes people once you're in there you've gone and I still don't know how and how Volkanovski just got out of that triangle he was dead tight it was a necktie it was a bow constructor snake but he he just got out of that and and you could see the look on uh, Ortega's face he was like what the has he just done how did he escape that because he was guaranteed like a champion he was probably thinking yeah I'm champ so that kind of will you you can't take lightly you can't you know really bet against Um, but like you say these Russians Dagestanians they're almost programmed computer programmed Um, you mentioned Habibi's not in his corner and all that I don't think it matters that much they're so programmed I think I could be in his corner and he still win you know I could say a couple of things (laughs) And you could, and and you still win because they've been doing it since they're five, effectively six. Um, but yeah. yeah, there is that emotional element with Habib, but in, in terms of the style and and at this level, you know, it's fine tuning what they've got. Um, but in terms of uh, taking Volkanovski down, yes, you know, Volkanovski is very good at resisting takedowns and then getting up. Because I remember when he he was just coming up, and I think Chad Mendes was one of his first tests, and Chad, Chad Mendes was an All American NCAA blah blah blah, and he couldn't hold him down. But these Russian wrestlers, they're different. Um, they, the, when they take you down, they, they smother you. They're not like the American wrestlers, college wrestlers, and they tie your legs up with their legs, so they hook your legs, so you can't really get your hips engaged to get off the ground which is the main way you get off the ground the main thrust is from your hips so I think that could all come into play and, and I, I think he could submit him because he'll, he'll give Volkanovski so much to think about and he's, he's had less damage Volkanovski has been in a few long fights you know two ten round ten rounds with uh, Holloway okay they weren't brutal he wasn't battered but they still take a lot out of you and um uh, yeah, I think Makachev will have enough. They'll have enough of game plan because you've still got Javier Mendes in his corner. He's very smart, uh, very calm man, you know, measured. Um, and, um, yeah, you know, I think he'll have enough in his toolbox. And he's quite good standing up, he's Makachev. I don't think he gets enough credit. Yeah, I think this could be a fight where, like, you know, when Khabib fought Connor and you know he hit that over that swinging right hand and, and, and knocked him down it could be a, a time where he shows a bit of di- um, you know diversity in his game mm-hmm. but yeah Vol- I, I think I think Volkanovski is going to come up with this or a loss but I think he's not going to lose any merit no certainly if, not if that makes sense yeah. I, I think he's going to walk away from this and be like you know what I, it was close but I was just bested on the day yeah I don't think he's going to lose any, any credit at all obviously you know you make a good point about Ortega that he, he was beaten a very you know at least twice in that fight and yeah. just came out and won anyway yeah. and obviously to beat Holloway three times yeah I mean yeah. That, that there is another level of of will and the, the game plan you, that he must have had to, to beat Holloway who's mm. arguably well I think the best 
pure boxer in yeah. the UFC. You yeah. know his absolutely his absolute, footwork absolute and uh, you know fast hand is amazing. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think you definitely have more reasoning behind your Makachev um, prediction. Mine's just a bit bit more of gut feeling mm. um, and just my. Uh, I just swore to myself I'd never bet against the Dagestani again, so that's what <laughs> I'm not going to do. <laughs> And, and if you remember, Volkanovski was the uh, substitute or alternate fighter if, uh, when Oliveira fought uh, Makachev. Um, yes. Now they take it seriously now. They, they used to pluck someone three days before if someone pulls out. Now they have an alternate, especially for a big fight. And they, those guys go to, through their training camp like they're going to fight. Because you don't know until the day before, do you? Until the wanes. All kind of shit happens at the wanes. Um but Volkanovski gave a prediction and he predicted Makachev to be Oliveira. I just found that interesting. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, okay, so we agree on that one, but we disagreed on the co-main, so that's not bad. Uh, yeah, that's not bad at all. Not bad at all. Yeah. And that's just, and that's, that's really kind of sums up this fight card. We could sort of go into the other fights on it, but just with no disrespect to them, it's just... Yeah, it's not the star names and it's not the the real interesting breakdowns that we that we can give on the main main event, of course. But then this time allows us to sort of ex- express into the other fight cards coming up. And of course, uh, over Christmas and New Year, we got the announcement of uh, John Jones' return. Yeah, at um, last, we finally. We about it on our last show, yeah. I think. We said, you know, is he going to come back, you know, this year? Is, is this the year? Well, this is the year against Cyril Garn. Um Not the fight I was expecting, to be honest. Um, but everything happened with uh, Nganu as well. Yeah. Yeah, I think everyone thought Nganu Jones was all... Jones Stipe was going to be the fight, but uh, uh, Cyril Garn got it. Yeah, I think Miocic is uh, is positioning himself to have a fight later down in the year. Um, I don't think he was ready. I think he had an injury that he was he was dealing with. Um, but just touching on Francis Ngannou, I think I'll get him out of the way first because it, it really depends who you believe. It's a, a long discussed point, you know. Does Dana White lie, or or <laughs> does he tell the truth to the media? Mm. Um, I, don't, I don't know if you saw the like announcement when they announced that Ngannou was being cut from the UFC. I saw the press Dana conference. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think he's, I think Dana said that they offered Francis Ngannou about eight million dollars for the contract, which is more than any other in the UFC. It's more than in, Brock Lesnar in the was history. offered. Yeah. Um, and then he also said stuff like um, Francis Ngannou wanted easier fights. He didn't want the big fights. Yeah, that that was a that was an interesting statement, wasn't it? Easier fights. Yeah, it is an interesting statement considering Francis is betting on himself. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Leaving the UFC, mm. and by all accounts, he wants to go into boxing to take on guys like Anthony Joshua. Yeah, or Tyson, now, Tyson Fury, yeah. That does not scream to me a guy who's looking for easy fights. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it's quite I mean, the opposite. I, I, yeah, yeah I, I don't think... I can't see him ending up in MMA anymore. Um, I don't think 
uh, PFL or Bellator, I don't think they're going to offer him 10 million plus. Um, I can only see the only place I can see Ngannou now is boxing. Um, and actually, just before we came on, I was finishing off um, Eddie Hearn, had his conversation on Ariel Helwani. Yeah. They've already spoken, and Ngannou wants Anthony Joshua. Oh, wow. Like, for, for his first boxing fight. Yeah. He doesn't want, to, he doesn't want any build-up. He wants just the, the star fights. Mm. So, I mean, so the question is, who do you believe? Do, do you believe Dana, or do you believe someone like Eddie Hearn, who, you know, his only interest has ever been to build up his fighters that he represents yeah. and put them in the big fights? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, no doubt in boxing, uh, you know, Ngannou's going to earn, you know, five times what the UFC is going to pay. Oh, so yeah, I just, for sure. Yeah, easy. Yeah. It's, it's weird, you know, I, I'm I'm MMA loyal and it's to me it's better than boxing and I would watch UFC every time over boxing if they're both on at the same time. Mm. However, I, I probably I probably believe that Ngannou's done the right thing. Um you know, you, he might have been given the biggest offer that the UFC have ever offered anybody, but I just I think the possibilities outside are, are, are bigger and more lucrative for him. Okay, with that out of the way, what about John Jones and his uh, step up to the big boys division? Well, he doesn't take it easy, does he? Um, I, I've always said, I, I, in my opinion, in terms of in cage performance and, and just fighting uh, John Jones is, is is the greatest of all time in my opinion yeah um, I would have liked to have seen him fight quicker than this you know it's been years since he's since he's fought but he did the right thing you know he cleared out light heavyweight not just in this generation but he cleared out the last generation and the generation before that you know yeah <laughs> I mean, easy three generations yeah you're right and he's still not old. No, he's still you know, uh, he's 33, still at, 32. Yeah, he's probably at the, still at the peak of his kind of performance level. Mm. So, you know, vast experience. Um, you know, I, I talked about it with, with Volkanovski and the, the experience of the big time, the experience of the pressure. This is probably Cyril Garn's biggest fight he's ever going to have, I would suggest. Um, yeah. So it's hard to predict and I'm sure we'll do the card at some point in real depth, so I won't go into a real... Yeah, we, we don't have to really give a prediction, but just John Jones coming up and, and you know, what what could he yeah. change? What has he changed? Obviously, he's gone heavier, more muscular, more muscle. Um, and the other thing he's done is he's teamed up with Henry Suudo, which is an interesting combination, not just because of the height difference, but... Uh, um, Obviously, maybe you know these guys talk talk with each other in, in in outside events or they meet or whatever. But obviously, Henry Soedo is a, is a Olympic gold wrestler. Uh, maybe you could give him some tactics around that and uh, in cage wrestling, not just wrestling. Yeah, for sure. It's it's not it's an odd <laughs> it's an odd partnership, isn't it? Um, yeah, but. Uh, apparently he's about he's at about 250 in weight John Jones apparently yeah um, which is about 18 and a half stone for the British listeners yeah yeah it's just he, he's he seems to have done it correctly he seems to have bulked up correctly um, and you would you would think that he should do in whatever it is like three years since he last fought or two and a half years um, yeah it'll be interesting to see how he moves because at light heavyweight he always was a very Intriguing mover, and it was always like he was—he could move lighter than he than he was. Um, if he can keep up how he moved and how he performed at heavyweight, I just—it's—it's going to be a, a frightful um, matchup for anybody. Honestly, I don't see—I don't see who could beat him. To be quite honest with you, I, I yeah. honestly don't. And maybe that—maybe that was in Ngannou's mind. Maybe, um, like I said, I, I wasn't—I think. Ngannou did the right thing but also if I was facing up to fight John Jones the greatest of all time who yeah like I said has wiped out various generations of fighters <laughs> of all, all types all styles yeah. all stances yeah I mean I, I'd probably look at going to boxing as well <laughs> you know what I mean <laughs> it's uh, yeah I, I just can't see anybody beating Jones personally but 
But if I was uh, Cyril Garn and, and his his team, I'd just be practicing wrestling because um, John Jones is one of the, the best MMA wrestlers. You know, he, he when he fought Chael Sonnen for the light heavyweight belt, he, he took him down I think four times, and uh, and then when he does take you down, he either beats you or submits you or both. So it's not a nice prospect when John Jones is uh, taking you down and dropping nuclear bombs on you. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's just he it, it seems he seems to beat you in mindset and in mind games. He he tends to beat everybody he comes up against as well. Mm-hmm. Like with DC, you know, with DC, he's just. I think half half the the fight was John Jones just taking. DC out of his out of his comfort zone and and just beating him in his head before the fight even happens. So yeah. it's just well, DC should thank that, that, thank John Jones every day because if John Jones was well behaved, shall we say, um, DC probably would have left the light heavyweight division. He obviously had two t- two shots and lost them both, and he probably would have gone up to heavyweight. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, mean, I think the DC fights are quite interesting as well because I, I think DC was more of a natural heavyweight anyway, even though he was there at light heavyweight and champ for years. We can we can say DC likes his fried chicken, shall we say? <laughs> we absolutely can. Yeah, for sure. It's yeah, it just it, it's going to be real, it's going to be real interesting. Um, yeah, I, I think that without ruining my prediction for the future. Yeah, we don't need one be, at uh, this stage. Just uh... yeah. But, uh, I, I think it's going to be a, a case of Cyril Garn, um a deer in the headlights. But we'll, uh, yeah, literally. There's, there's going to be so many factors. That's one factor. You know, it's going to be the hype and the the press is going to be twenty, fifty times what he's used to. John Jones has been out for three years. He's he's packing on thirty, forty pounds when he's in cage. Yeah, he'll be two sixty probably. Um, so yeah, then we'll talk about in detail. There's so many factors. John Jones can win, but he can lose because of this. Garn can win because of this and lose because of that. So uh, yeah, it will be a very interesting podcast. Looking forward to that one. One thing's one thing's guaranteed though. That is going to be a huge pay per view draw. Oh yeah, million plus all over it. Uh, yeah. Oh, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And I think uh, I don't know if they've come out with the actual um, full cards yet. I don't know. if that I think they've got tickets out for sale, but I don't know if the hmm. I think Valentina Shevchenko I think is also on that card and that's correct. Yeah, it kind of links back to what I was saying earlier about like them saving the big, even the undercard fights. They kind of see save the big ones for American soil. I mean that definitely seems to be the case for for that fight, and that links in nicely with uh, UFC UFC two eight six UFC London. Yeah, the O2 Arena, the rematch. Um, yeah. Yeah, number three, Leon Edwards, uh, Kamaru Usman, um, the O2 Arena. Very disappointed that's not in a stadium, I've got to be honest. Um, yeah, it's weird because you would think that UFC would have enough marketing scouts and marketing people that will say, well, in in Britain, in England, big boxing fights normally happen in stadiums, Wembley and, and other stadiums, West Ham, and 30, 40, 50,000 is, is not a problem. Yeah, I don't think I don't think numbers are a problem. I, I think Dana, it was right at the. I think when Edwards beat Usman, they were talking about a fight at like Birmingham City Stadium, mm. um, and Dana said, "I just don't like doing stadium cards because you've got multiple seats at the top, which won't get to see anything." And he likes arenas because every seat you can see everything that happens. And I get that, I do. Yeah, that, I did, that's very I did, fair. I did WWE. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I did WWE at the Millennium uh, Stadium, Principality in Cardiff, mm. and I was kind of near the back tier. Right. It was very difficult to see the, like I, I was basically watching the big screen most uh, of the time, yeah. which kind of yeah. was disappointing. Yeah. But there are other options in the UK. I, you know, living in the UK myself. You, you're from the UK. You, you know yeah. the variety of arenas in the country, right? This year, there's a big arena opening in Manchester, mm-hmm. which is twenty five thousand capacity, and it's open later on this year. I just, why would you not save a card like this for that? Mm. 
Mm. It's up near nearer Birmingham where Edwards is from. Yeah. He hasn't really got any tie with London. No. That could have been huge. I mean, UFC, with, with, with your pulling power and your marketing, if you went to the the guys in Manchester Arena, 25,000 capacity is going to be the biggest indoor arena in the UK. Mm. If you're the UFC, you're going to, you could negotiate a really good deal with them to be like one of the first events in that arena. And that'd be huge. It would but be. Yeah. Again, it, they've gone for the safe O2 arena, you know, was it like 16, 18,000, which is still mm. a big number, but I, I looked at tickets because tickets went on sale um, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, it's a joke. It's extortionate. Mm. Um, and you always ask me at the end of the show, you know, uh, are we going to be present at any events? I would love to be present at an event, especially hosted by the UFC. I just can't justify spending mm. six hundred pounds. Yeah, that's per person. That's crazy. Yeah, to be. Yeah, a, I, yeah I, it's, it's it's a joke for pricing. Um, and the usual cars that they put on in London, which is usually like a fight night, they're about 300. And they've literally doubled the pricing for this pay- mm. numbered pay-per-view. I just can't justify it. I can't uh, and also, in the, the, the trend sort of in the last five, six years has been that the fight will be American time. So it'll be 3 a.m. for uh, UK time, British time. Do you want know the they they did that um was it for Bisping? Bisping yeah. and uh, Henderson. Um, yeah. Yeah. In Manchester so, that was. Yeah. Yeah, I actually thought about that exact thing. What time is it gonna be on? Mm. And apparently the main card kicks off at ten. GMT. Oh, so it's British so GMT, yeah. Apparently so. That's now the only information I could find was on the event info page of the official ticketing site. Mm. It's not on the official UFC website about timing. Mm. So I don't know if they're going to change that near the time because it's over a month away. Yeah. But as, as of right now, apparently the main car kicks off at 10 o'clock, which is really decent considering we're used to 3 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> 3 a.m. main event, uh, main cars. There's there's one thing watching it 3 a.m. in your own house or wherever you watch it indoors, but to go to an arena, so that you would have to get there for 2 a.m., you know, watch the prelims, and then normally 5.30, 6 a.m. is the, the main event? Yeah, yeah, it is exactly that. And I remember reading about that, about the Bisping event, because obviously you've got, to, you've got to take into consideration that arenas will have their own licensing laws, and they've got to which they've got to abide mm. by. And also, if you're doing an event in London, you've got um, a curfew set by the city. So I bet that they have to do it at 10 o'clock because they can't go later than that because of the curfew. Um, uh, but apparently at the Bisping event, um, they cut off alcohol sales at 1am because that was the licensing laws. Uh, so okay, you had yeah. the main card kicking off at 2am, 2 2 mm. but there was no alcohol from like 1. <laughs> so people... We had like no alcohol or anything or no food from 1am and they had like a five hour car to watch mm. so that's probably taken into consideration as well but yeah no it, yeah it, so unfortunately won't, won't be there yeah because of the pricing which can't justify the, that price it'd be good if it is you know friendly to to uh gmt shall we say uh, starting at 5 6 p.m main card at 9 10 p.m main fight so uh, that would be good i think yeah, if that, if that stays the same, and if that fact is true, I only found it on one website, but if that is true, then I'm sure purely MMA will be present at a, uh, a good watch party somewhere. I'm sure there'll be there'll be some great um, watch parties around London, so I might head in for one of those. Yeah, sounds like a good idea. Okay, uh, what's next on the MMA news, UFC news? Well, I'm, I think I'm gaining a reputation here and the, the viewers are going to say, oh, that idiot's going to bring up Jake Paul again. Um, and they're right, I am. Uh, I, you, I don't, am you don't want to disappoint them, yeah. I don't want to disappoint them. But also, do you know what? He's actually doing something relevant to the MMA world now because obviously the, the announcement came in the new year about his uh, partnership with, with PFL. Mm. Um, the, the, the start-up of a new division in the PFL um, special fighters league <laughs> so it's uh, Joe, I, I think personally on a, on a serious note he, he's doing everything like the right way 
if he, if he signed for an MMA organisation and got slotted into an actual weight class and sort of bypassed everybody on the, the roster and got to title fight straight away, he would be heavily criticised for not fighting his way up and earning mm. it. But this way, he's not affecting anybody in any weight class because every weight class is still going to have their champs and he's got his own division that, he's, that he helped to set up where fighters, if they don't want to focus on earning a title and they just want the big money fights and the special events and, you know, the special sort of funny fights, yeah. they can. Yeah. So he's, he's, he's entering MMA apparently, doing it the right way, learning from the bottom and then also not affecting the set weight divisions or bypassing anybody or ruining any weight classes. Mm. I, I can't see what's wrong with that in, in my view. It seems like a, a a good thought out idea, which you probably wouldn't associate with Jake Paul, but uh, that's obviously a persona for the most part, I imagine. But uh, yeah, he's thought about it. He doesn't want to. The guys that have been slogging for five, ten years, and some star person comes in with star quality and just goes right at the head of the queue. That they're not going to be happy, are they? No, exactly, and it's. I feel like he's doing it the right way, and mm. he's, he's, he's actually showing respect to real, shall we say, real fighters. You know, real MMA fighters. He's showing respect. Yeah, exactly. And it and it was announced also that the fighters on his cards would get fifty percent of all revenue earned, including pay per view. Mm. I, I, listen, I I, I want to hate him as much as anybody else, and. It's it's funny seeing some of his early fights and stuff, but now he seems to really be stepping up his competition. He, you know, he, they just had the fight announced with Tommy Fury, who is a real boxer. No matter what you want to say about him, he is a real boxer mm. from a real boxing family with real boxing pedigree. Yeah, he's a professional boxer. Yeah. So, and that's happening. I think later on this month, so that's happening quite soon. And then apparently. Jake Paul is going to go and take on MMA full time and and tra- and train it. He's already started um, a little bit, but he's mm. put on his on his social medias. Apparently, it's going to be him versus Nate because Nate Diaz is now obviously a free agent. And yeah, for that would be a very uh, very intriguing uh, fight. Yeah, and I think that hats off to the PFL. They 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 know the draw and the money that Jake Paul brings in, and. They've done it the right way with him, so they're not affecting every all of their weight classes. They're not affecting all their big tournaments, their million pound tournaments. They've got this side hustle, and they're telling the fighters, "Hey, if you want to do this and you want the big fights and you want these sort of special events, that's fine. But you're not going to hold up our divisions." And I, th- I think it works. Mm, yeah. No, it's going to be interesting to see how that pans out in the next uh, couple of months, and. Uh see what effect it has on PFL, negative, positive, and uh, and maybe the rest of the uh, promotions, you know, see if any Bellator gets any ideas. And UFC, well, they, they, they're just number one. They just do what they want. So uh, but it may affect the second tier promotion, shall we say. Uh, do you know what? I, I can see if, like, say Jake Paul, like, beats Tommy Fury and then, like, beats Nate Diaz in, like, a boxing fight and then beats Nate in PFL, right, with MMA rules. Imagine. I, I could see Jake quickly jumping ship and UFC giving him a contract just to give him a go. I, I could see it. Oh, of course. 100%. Yeah, yeah. Because, see what you want about Dana White, I, th- I think he knows he knows how to make money. Of course he does, yeah. So, he, he, you know, they probably would strike a deal with Jake Paul and say, look, we'll give you a one-fight deal on this event and... Hey, if you want to split your money 50-50 with the rest of the fighters on the card, fine, we can do that. You know, bring you into the UFC spotlight for one event, put him up against a sort of semi big name, maybe a guy who's sort of on the way out of the UFC, you know, a bit older. I'm sure they'll cash in at some point. I'm not sure how, but I could see them doing that at some point. Because Dana White, he might hate Jake Paul, he might have this, um, you know, rivalry on screen with him, but I think he knows what makes money. You know, at the end of the day, it's the fight game. Yeah, money talks and all that. Yeah, and this year being the UFC's 30th anniversary, as I said earlier, and 
all these big events that they've already announced for the new year and then news come out this week about Connor officially being offered a ultimate fighter coaching role did you see that yeah that's that's a good uh, lead in there so uh, yeah he's going to be a coach but who against, against who well all all signs say Tony Ferguson was offered it Mm. Um, and then now Michael Chandler came out two days ago claim, staking his claim, says he wants to do it. I, th- I think Connor, Tony Ferguson would make the most sense. Mm. Both, you know, both of them past their prime, sort of on a different, you know, they're not kind of, kind of focusing on the Tide, rankings anymore. Not kind of focusing. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And obviously you have got a history of Ferguson, called, you know, he's called out Connor for about, Five years, isn't he calling him, you know, oh. nuggets and stuff? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think that I think that would that would bring in record numbers on the Ultimate Fighter. Well, the trash talking will be uh, good, wouldn't it? And, and obviously, Connor's number one of most of them. But uh, Tony Ferguson has his moments. He's normally cringy, but uh, he does have a, the odd good line. He's cringy. Uh, he's cringy, but in like in a funny way. He's not like a Paddy Pimlet level of, of cringe where he's trying so hard. Yeah. I just think Tony Ferguson just is weird. Like it's a it's a very natural kind of weird. Yeah. It's like Connor has a natural level of charisma and sort of genuine uh believability about his his himself. Yeah. He's, Tony's just you with Connor you well in the early days you, you you didn't sort of take it as his promoting himself, you just took it as that's him. Yeah, exactly, and you and you do the same about Tony, just for a different reason, just because you think he's <laughs> he's weird, and, and he is weird, and yeah. it, it'll just be very intriguing. Um, I feel sorry for the fighters. Obviously, we don't know what weight class they're coaching at and whatever, but I kind of feel sorry for the guys who go on to that show because I think a lot of the attention won't be on them. Yeah, there won't be any uh, sort of real coaching going on, will there? No, no, and I think I, I did actually watch um, Connor's first Ultimate Fighter with Uriah Faber. Do you remember that year from years ago? Yeah, um, when um, Connor picked on uh, what's his name who retired with the shoulder injury, uh, T.J. Dillashaw. Yeah, he picked on him, calling him a snake. He's a snake. Oh yeah, and did he have a scrap with um, Cody Carbrand? Cody Garbrandt, yeah. They, they squared up I mean, to each other, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that, that, was, that was quite... I think that was like the first guy ever in, like, in the UFC to go, do you know what, Colin, shut up, and I'm going to square up to you. Like, yeah. I, found, I found that quite shocking. It was like, oh, OK, this, this kid has got something about him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's... I, the Ultimate Fighter, I haven't watched for years, to be honest, but... Yeah, same, yeah. It, 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 I mean, that would pull me in. You can count me in for that series. They could probably make that pay per view and make it a paid monthly subscription. Yeah, in fact, I think it is in the UK anyway. I think you have to. I think you have to be subscribed to um, Fight Pass. I think I don't uh, know if they show it on TV anymore. Ah, uh, okay. Um, but so, reg- regarding which weight they would fight, I think judging by Connor's pictures, it, it's going to be welterweight. I think. Yeah, you think so. You, you would think so. Um, that kind of goes into a conversation about Connor. I think I think we spoke about it last time, maybe or the the time before, and I said I just don't care about him. It, it's kind of true. I, mm-hmm. I don't really. Um, it's no hidden fact. Connor Connor's rise in UFC kind of coincided with me losing interest with re- sort of professional wrestling and yeah. looking and becoming a becoming older and being more interested in in legitimate fighting and something a little bit more adult and serious. Um, <laughs> So it's no, it's, it's no hiding the fact that, you know, he was a major name when I was starting to get real interest in, in yeah. MMA and UFC. But I just think the game has moved on. Um, he's doing his thing in movies and, you know, the, I just I just wish he would... Uh, and I, I just wish he'd grow up, you know, a little bit. Mm. Just move on. Accept that you've moved on and, and leave it at that. Yeah, the, these... These rants and shock statements and, and uh, you know, just dissing people for no reason, that was fine for, for when he was at his peak. It was a part of his package, part of his 
persona and the intrigue and the, you know the whole oh yeah Connor said this but doing it now when you hardly fight and you get beat up most of the time it doesn't work anymore yeah yeah exactly and it's just you, you sort of he's not old but he's coming off as the old retired mm. washed up fighter who just can't let go of the past kind of thing it's just yeah. not really it doesn't grab any interest anymore because you haven't won in years and mm. you haven't really been taking anything serious for years and just better guys have come in and taken you over beaten you and you know and moved on you could say the game's moved on and just yeah but doesn't take away from the fact if, if, he, if he was willing to come back against a guy who has also moved on and just passed his peak and somebody as entertaining as Tony Ferguson in an arena like the Ultimate Fighter then give them a main event you know probably their last main event ever and you know their last big payday and after having months of, of trash talk yeah that's fine yeah that could be entertaining for sure yeah I, I think but, Ferguson is a better option yeah for sure and I, I just can't deal with six months of or what hell three months of Michael Chandler and his his motivational speaking my god I can't bear <laughs> I can't bear to listen to that <laughs> yeah he, he's a bit bland isn't he uh, I, yeah if, if I hear about his heart and his desire and hmm. anymore I'm gonna scream <laughs> <laughs> yeah is there any more any more news I think that's pretty much it is it or uh... yeah I think that's the big news that came out around Christmas and New Year yeah and uh, like you said UFC's 30th year is, is going to bring up more special events mega events probably in the summer July the 4th and all that so uh, I'm sure we'll have more to talk about in the next few months yeah for sure this, um, you know 30 years is, is a great achievement I think it's kind of a bit sad that it's happened you know with the whole Dana White um Slapping incident of his wife, and mm. he just—he just seems. Uh, there's a question coming up now. Are, are you harming the company more than growing it? Yeah, you know, you've done so much for the company now for so many years, and now it's—it's it's a big year for the UFC in, in terms of their anniversary. Uh, but all the news around mm. you, you know, Dana White. Yeah, it's—it's it's all negative. Mm. There's so many questions about how you treat your fighters. Um, the money you pay them, the deals you give them. A lot of it's coming from Jake, but then also the wider community. You know, how, how are you treated in Garnu? Why are you trying to bring down his stock as he's leaving? Why mm. did you not give him the money that he thinks he deserved and that the fans thinks he deserved? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and just, there seems to be a lot of negativity around him specifically, um, yeah. which is a bit of a shame. I think he's one of those people that thrive in negativity and, and uh, you know, doesn't doesn't really care, but he, I think he thrives in it. But, you know, he's, he's obviously coming up towards the end. He's He's been, when the Fatitas took it over, 21 years ago. So, uh, effectively, he's been president on 21 years. So, that's a long time. Yeah, and, yeah, it's, it's, it's just, you've got to, it made me laugh at his press conference when he made the statement about you know the whole slapping his wife and how he said they're now dealing with it as a family I get that you know some things happen and if they're dealing with it in family and they're both you know and his wife is safe and you know mm. apparently the kid you know his kids massively fell out with him obviously naturally if you, if you would yeah um, but say for him to for him to say stuff like, "Oh, um, my me leaving the company would do more harm," I that's not good. No, there just uh, the show will go on and would go on. So uh... yeah, it, it would. But just just to say stuff like, "Oh, well, me leaving would harm the company more," and that would be you know my punishment is that I live with this name forever and mm. you know it will never leave me I, that, that kind of stuff is that's just so not good to hear mm. you know because you, essentially you're saying well if you get caught for murder 
my punishment is I'll be called a murderer and nobody will trust me anymore. Well, it doesn't work like that, <laughs> you know. But yeah, so I just think his, his attitude is a bit, a bit weird around that, and mm. it's just unfortunate because of the year, you know, thirty years and everything. But yeah, but. Uh... Yeah, there should be some really good events. Well, there will be some good events on, and uh, we'll uh, we'll hopefully uh, hear some more as well. Yeah, for sure. We'll break them down all throughout the year. I'm yeah. positive of that. Okay, before I just wrap up and close the uh, the podcast, uh, you, you mentioned earlier you're probably not going to go to the Edwards-Usman uh, fight, but uh, you're going to go to any... Other promotions, Cage Warriors, where the pricing is a bit more reasonable, or yeah, we, we we always we always have our eyes eyes on that, and we hope that Bellator do more um, good British cards. They always have good events on at, um, at Wembley Arena. Usually, um, yeah, it's a sad thing about Usman Edwards, um, but we will uh, we, we move, we'll move on. And uh, if you if you go and follow us at Purely MMA on Twitter. And keep up to date with what we're doing. Um, what I'm sure we'll be advertising where where I go for a watch party. I'm sure for for Edwards Usman. Um, we're actually sponsored now as well. Purely MMA and purely wrestling on Twitter. We've been sponsored by uh, a little events company in the southwest of the UK called Overst Events. Uh, so I just want to give them a shout out because they're sponsoring us and, and giving us some good uh, some good relationships. So. So thank you to Overst Events for the sponsorship. And, uh, yeah, give us a follow at Purely MMA and uh, keep up to date where we are and where we're going to be. Yeah, that sounds, uh, that sounds interesting. So um, we'll, we'll wrap it up there, Matt, and uh, thank you very much as well. Um, this has been the, the MMA Shower, UFC 284 from Perth, Melbourne. Uh, sorry, Perth, Australia. And um, sponsored by Hatton James Legal. .co.uk you can download uh, the the podcast on Spotify and SRB Media and uh, thank you very much for listening and uh, we'll see you next month thank you, bye